You are listening to an Awkward Human podcast. For more information on this podcast or all of our shows, visit awkwardhuman.com slash shows. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. It's my show. This is Interview with the Comic Book Nerd. That is me, Richard Cardenas. All right, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sing throughout the whole thing. Don't worry about it, guys. But I will get a little bit closer to the mic. <laughs> Can you hear me now? Oh God. Anyway, welcome to the show. Yay! Is uh, this is episode 11? Um, welcome, welcome. There's a lot to talk about, but first we're gonna do the recap, you know. But um, just so you guys know, I am going to do a little review of Spider-Man Homecoming, but I'm not going to do that at the top of the show. Instead, I'm going to do it at the very end so that if you guys don't want to hear any spoilers or anything, then you can just stop it and end the show right there. Or if you do want to, then you can just continue. Or if you've already seen it, which, you know, how'd you like it? Um, so yeah, that'll be at the very end. But at the top of the show, we're going to do our recap, which this week we're going to be talking about Injustice number one. Now, this is the prequel to the first Injustice game. That was a fighting game that came out for, um, I don't know, PlayStation and Xbox, I guess. But it's a fighting game. It is the DC characters in this alternate universe uh, where Superman is a dictator and I finally got into it. Uh, I picked up the first volume of that or I didn't actually, I didn't physically go anywhere to pick it up. I got it on Comixology uh, or rather Amazon, but they're partnered. So it's kind of the same thing, but it's always cheaper on Amazon than it is on Comixology. You know, just a, a little tip there. <laughs> um, but yes, I I read number one of Injustice and okay, I just got to tell you, this is written by Tom Taylor, and he is one of my absolute favorite writers. Um, he writes all new Wolverine. He writes um, the Power Rangers and Justice League uh, comic book that isn't out. I mean, it, it's out, but it's been like um, like two months since its last issue, which is it's not done yet. But anyway, he writes those two books. Those are uh, two of my favorites that are happening at the moment. And um, so I picked this one up and I absolutely love it. I love his writing style. So or just his storytelling style. So it's definitely a good one and I'm enjoying it. But anyway, this is number one. Uh, it's by Tom Taylor. The art is by Jeremy Rapak. Uh, Axel Jimenez, Mike S. Miller, and Mark Deering. Now, some of them are pencil, some of them are color, some of them are inking. I don't really know which, though, because they kind of just, like, list them all out. <laughs> but uh, there you have it. That's the art team. Um, oh, one thing before we continue. I actually learned something. I asked you guys a question uh, maybe last episode or, or a couple episodes ago about the whole VC thing. Whenever you see a letterer and it says VCs so-and-so. Well, you guys did not come through for me. <laughs> um, the the what VC stands for is virtual calligraphy, and it's a studio, and it holds like five people in it or whatever. So there are five letterers that um, are attached to this studio, and that's what that VC stands for at the at the front of their name whenever they're mentioned or not mentioned, but whenever they're credited for lettering. 
um, virtual calligraphy. So there you go. Uh, I did some research because you guys didn't tell me. <laughs> you guys would have just let me continue thinking it was it stood for vertical comics, but, which it doesn't. Um, but anyway, I'm not mad at you guys. I'm just giving you a little tease. Anyway, uh, let's get into the recap of this comic book. All right, so. It opens up with Batman and he's overlooking a city and describing how the world isn't what it was and stuff. And we see soldiers marching down the streets and there are banners of like House L logo, the Superman logo. And Superman, it turns out, is the leader of this country. I'm thinking it's the country. I don't think it's the whole world. I think it's just the leader of like, quote unquote, America. I don't know if they call it America in D.C., but we're going to call it America. Anyway, uh, he's the leader of the country, and we don't really know why, but the very next page, it goes back five years, and we see Clark Kent. He's waking up next to Lois because he hears something strange. He hears two heartbeats coming from Lois, and this makes him extremely happy, and Lois um, wakes up and everything, and he's like, all distracted and like making plans because she's pregnant and he's like we got to get this we got to do this we got to do this and she's just like okay you need to calm down um but you know they're happy or whatever lois gets this anonymous tip that a councilman is getting a payoff at the docks and so she's got to go with jimmy olsen there because they're gonna go write a story about it clark has some reservations about this but lois is like hey i know i'm pregnant and stuff but you can't treat me any differently. This is still my job. We still have to kind of like live our lives relatively the same. And so he's like not happy about it. But then he senses something happening. He doesn't know what it is, but she's like, you sense trouble? He's like, yeah. And so they're like, okay, let's go do our things. And so he goes off and Superman finds Batman fighting in an alley. And Batman tells him that something was stolen from Star Labs and that's why he's here. So Batman's like, all right, well, finish up with these goons and I'll meet you at the top of the building. And he basically tells Bruce after the whole fighting's done, he tells Bruce that he has some news and Batman being the best detective in the world, <laughs> he guesses that Lois is pregnant. Um, Clark tells him that he wants him to be the godfather to the baby. And, you know, Batman, he gives a little bit of a smile and it's adorable. All the while, we see Lois and Jimmy waiting for the payoff to happen at the docks, but it never does. Instead, someone shoots Jimmy right in the face. And um, it's not funny, but uh, and that someone is the Joker and he is with Harley Quinn. Great. Some shit's about to go down. So we cut back to Superman flying into the docks. It's like the next morning and he finds Jimmy and he's dead. We cut back to Batman and he's at Star Labs and he learns that what was stolen was some kind of kryptonite experiment. And there's a scientist there who tells him that they were basically using the kryptonite to try to like see if they can discover any cures for any diseases or anything because it's kryptonite and they haven't really experimented with it yet. And they're not using it against, you know, Superman or anything, but they are using it to like better the world or whatever. Uh, Superman zooms in and he tells Batman that Lois is missing and he shows him that the the Joker's card, the Joker left a card there behind and Batman puts out an alert to all the, all the Justice League members, all the reserve members, telling them that they need to look for Lois. Um, so they all do. And the Flash, this is Barry Allen, uh, he shows up searching, you know, after searching for Metropolis, through Metropolis and tells Batman that he's got something. And so he carries, yes, he picks up Batman and he carries him out. 
And they go to Star Labs where they find the scarecrow there. And he has a Joker smile on his face. Wonder Woman calls in to say that she's got this guy who says Joker and Harley left Metropolis in a submarine. So Superman flies out and he finds the submarine and carries it to land and like rips it open. He finds Lois on an operating table with the Joker and Harley kind of hovering over her. Then there's this green smoke and Superman starts going into this kind of haziness and he sees Doomsday. And that is like one of the biggest villains for Superman. And Superman freaks out and he's like, I have to protect Lois. I have to protect this baby. And he like grabs Doom and flies off. So Joker and Harley are still there and they try to make their getaway, but the Green Lantern stops them. Batman sees that there's like this scarecrow fear toxin spewing out of the submarine and he starts yelling at the Joker to tell him like, where is Lois? Wonder Woman says that uh, she can use her lasso of truth on him, but Batman's like, no, because like whatever came out of, or whatever comes out of Joker would basically be worse than the truth um, because he's so crazy. Uh, Batman tells the Flash to look for any of the missiles that are still on the submarine, make sure they aren't active or whatever. But Joker's like, that doesn't matter because when Lois's heart stops, so everyone else is in Metropolis. And he's like, what are you talking about? Then we go off and we see that Superman is in space with Doomsday. The toxin, however, is wearing off and he realizes that it is not Doomsday. It's Lois. He has carried Lois out into space thinking that it was Doomsday. And the, the it's, it's, I'm kind of like going through it, obviously, like I do all the time, but this is so seriously like disturbing. Um, and as I was reading it, like I already knew what happened because this comic book is so old. You know, it came out when the first Injustice game came out and it's supposed to be a prequel to that game and everything. So like it, it's been around for quite a while. So I kind of knew what was happening already, especially because I had played the game. So I knew how we got to the game. Um, I knew a little bit of the backstory, but like seeing it, seeing it drawn out and seeing it narrated. And there's a narration in there and it says, and then two heartbeats come from, uh, I mean, sorry. And then two heartbeats coming from one person stop beating. And it's, it's so sad. And then we see basically the devastation on Superman's face, the horror, you know, of him realizing what he's done, who he's taken out into space. And, and, you know, we're left with that. And then we see a huge explosion in Metropolis. And that's how issue number one ends. And that is some serious shit. And I got to say, I'm not I'm not too familiar with DC Comics. I don't read a lot of them. Like, I think I'm picking up a little bit more now. Um, but mostly what I'm familiar with is Marvel. And I got to say, I don't really see this kind of storytelling in Marvel that often. I think that they um, do tell these stories, but in, in, in a more, um, less severe kind of a way, uh, where, you know, they don't mind going into like cities being destroyed and stuff like that. But I, I almost feel like it doesn't get too personal too often. And this one, even though it's an alternate, you know, reality an alternate universe story, a different earth or whatever, like it's still, it's very dire. Um, it's very serious. And so I, I just, I really enjoyed it, but it was so different for me and it, it's just tragic. So I'm looking forward to continuing it, continuing it. Like I said, Tom Taylor is one of my favorite um, writers. I, I, I feel like he just, 
I get his humor. I get his style. Um, and this was like his writing obviously was still in there, but it was a different tone than what I'm used to reading from him. Um, so I'm really glad to be reading this and I'm going to continue reading it. So yeah, uh, five out of five on that one. There is a comic book that I want to give an honorable mention to, which is a Dark Horse comic. This just came out, I think, last week. I could be wrong. Um, but anyway, it just came out, and it is called Zodiac Star Force. This is issue number one. The writer is Kevin Panetta, and the artist is Paulina Ganucho. Ganucho? I think that's how you pronounce it. Anyway, um, this is a really fun comic book. It kind of reminded me. I think it's it's actually a continuation from a while back. I could be wrong, I, but that's what I think. Anyway, it reminds me of um, it reminds me of Sailor Moon, which I'm all for. <laughs> so I'm really uh, excited to continue reading this one. It's a really fun book. It's a all girl squad. It's like five girls um, fighting crime, and they each represent a zodiac sign. So I'm gonna continue reading that one but that's my honorable mention go check that out is with nico de gallo and he is here to talk about venom and i learned some things venom makes you a codependent sad person and uh, that is the damn truth so uh this is a fun interview uh i learned a lot and it's kind of a messed up story so Right off the heels of Spider-Man Homecoming, I give you another Spider-Man character, which is Venom. I hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah, it's a fetish coloring book. Oh, I don't see anything anal. Um, well, like I don't know. Maybe if you keep looking into it. But welcome to the show, Nico. Oh, okay, wait, okay. <laughs> yeah, we're recording already. Oh, <laughs> Hi. Hi. Welcome <laughs> to the show. The audience, just so you guys know, I have uh, a coloring book. It's a fetish coloring book. And he was looking through it and he was looking for anal. I just noticed it wasn't there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So basically in this episode, we're going to be talking about just the symbiote in general. That's kind of more of a Spider-Man character. Uh, and we know him best as Venom or it best as Venom. Yeah. So, yeah, so my my knowledge is that he's a Spider-Man character. He, it, <laughs> it uh, kind of controls whoever it wants to control. Mm-hmm. It, like, chooses someone to control, right? And then Eddie Brock is the most famous one for having it. Yeah, yeah. And that's pretty much as far as I know, and it's from outer space. That's all I know. Yeah. Um, funnily enough, audience, uh, Richard is wearing a Spider-Man t-shirt right now. I am. Yes, true story. Uh, yeah. I'm just kidding. I made that up because I'm a liar. Uh, <laughs> go go into it. Well, let's, oh, just talk about it. Okay, yeah, just all right. Talk. All right go. Where does where does the symbiote come from, and what is it? Yeah. So uh, the symbiote was first um, was first introduced in the uh, in the Secret Wars. It was uh, basically like a huge Marvel event where all these Marvel characters were transported to like a planet X and. They were all to do battle with each other. It was like the Civil War of like several decades ago, basically. Mm. This was the first time they did Civil War? No, no, no. Not that it was like the Civil War in the sense that it was like the exact... I'm sorry. I meant Secret War. Yeah. Yeah. This is is like... It was one of those huge like all the characters in the Marvel Universe were affected by this to some extent. Um, But anyway, so... So Spider-Man's suit is like torn and he's like, oh no, like I'll just go to this machine where... 
you know, it makes costumes and it made itself into a costume that looked actually like the current spider woman's where it was like black with the white uh, spider on it. And so he's like, oh, I must have been subconsciously influenced by spider woman. Um, funnily enough, I, I don't think anyone even remembers that spider. Woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the one that's running around right now is his clone ish. Yeah, something like that. So uh, turns out later on as they like invent more background story for this costume you know once they they're like okay now it's alive and then they're like okay actually where you got that that living costume from was really a space prison for this alien uh parasitic entity who like attaches itself to a host and then like gives them enhanced abilities and stuff but um it also fed like a lot of his like darker emotions and like his desire to like um like he found himself doing things that like were not characteristic of himself mm. and he was like always tired and it turns out it was like basically taking his his body out for superhero runs at night while he he was unconscious like yeah. hit, oh wow and um i mean correct me if i'm wrong internet <laughs> um but but moving on so he's like hey maybe this isn't the most conducive thing to like being alive so he's like <laughs> <laughs> so he's like I'm, I'm gonna ditch this he goes to a church and he rings the church bells because it's weak to like sonic waves and um it it peels itself off of him and meanwhile eddie brock is asking uh the catholic god for forgiveness because he's gonna kill himself because he oh was, wow yeah he was a rival reporter not a rival reporter to peter parker but he was another reporter and he had like gotten all these confessions from this murder criminal called the sin eater and then uh spider-man caught the real sin eater and he was like everyone was like oh you're a fraud oh yeah (laughs) he was like he was like oh this is my big break and he was like finally being successful and then spider-man was like actually that's not even the guy and then so it blows up in his face he's like a joke and i think he loses his job and all this stuff um i know his like wife had left him as well oh wow yeah and so He's about to kill himself and he has like all these super strong dark emotions and his like need, uh, his his hatred for Spider-Man is what it was, attracts the symbiote who is like really butthurt that Spider-Man ditched him, feels mm-hmm. all rejected. So they, they end up coming together and they're like, hey, you know, I hate Spider-Man. And the symbiote's like, hey, I hate Spider-Man too. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> so they combine and uh, Venom as the, the big snaggletooth grinning monster that he turned into was actually created by todd mcfarlane the creator of spawn oh who also is a guy who wears a skin tight mostly black costume that's also symbiotic um and then yeah it, it ended up being that he was a super villain but he got really popular and and i re- i really liked the whole like duality of like you you know you have the person and then their dark side but it's cool because the dark side here the symbiote like empowered eddie brock and um it got Spider-Man's powers because it had been on him long enough that it like just learned how to. Okay, him. that was what I was gonna ask. That's what I was gonna ask. So the symbiote is basically you said it kind of enhances their abilities. So let's say it had gotten onto like Mister Fantastic, would yeah. it have just enhanced like his stretchability or whatever? Like, or what was it like somehow just specific to Spider-Man's powers? Um, it probably would have made him like a lot stronger i guess Mm -hmm. i don't know if it would have made him super stretchy per se but like i know that like um 
like Eddie Brock already had like the physical strength of an Olympic weightlifter, and then he could like now throw around buses like it's mm-hmm. no big deal. But he started basically swinging around and creating webs as well, right? Yeah. So essentially, um, Spider Man has all these powers written into his DNA, and the the symbiote was with Spider Man for so long that it just learned how to like copy those powers into itself. Okay. So that's why it retains all of his powers and gives them to its next host. Mm. Um, And so Eddie Brock basically has stronger versions of all of Spider-Man's powers when he's Venom. Um, And eventually Venom got like really popular in the 90s to the point that he had like all these these miniseries and stuff like that. He was like he went from being a supervillain to like an anti-hero because everyone liked him Mm. so much. I actually have some of his 90s comic books. He teams up with Spider-Man to fight Carnage. He goes to like um, be a superhero in San Francisco uh, for a while. Like that was his home base. Yeah. And then, um, excuse me. And then eventually just kind of like overexposure sort of faded out. And it was like in the early 2000s that he, he ended up coming back as like a very, very dark figure. Like he went from the the kind of like alien kind of slight like unhinged anti-hero who like kills bad guys because he's like well you're killing innocents so i'll kill you into like just like this they they started giving the symbiote like its own personality like it Mm -hmm. wasn't just like a subconscious kind of like drive or it did certain things like got to the point where the symbiote itself could talk and have dialogue and the symbiote itself was like it started to uh come to light that eddie brock had cancer oh wow okay yeah and the only reason he was still alive was because the symbiote would like feed somehow feed off his cancer and also Mm. simultaneously keep him alive okay um so during this time that you're talking about him becoming darker was was he just kind of was the symbiote expressing eddie's like inner darkness or was it just like him individual or the symbiote individually being this evil thing controlling Eddie? They, they later started to explain that like the symbiote was like becoming corrupted by like Eddie Brock's insanity and stuff like that. Um, and also just, I think they were just trying to give the symbiote its own character mm. almost. Um, it, it ended up being that I think, not that the symbiote was pregnant, but like Carnage was pregnant actually. The the it, it so Carnage is kind of similar to to Venom. It's they're both a, symbiotes though. Yeah, right? Carnage okay. is actually Eddie uh, Venom's offspring. Oh yeah, and it's uh it does actually technically have all the spider-man's powers as well but it's just kind of realizes itself in a different way and the reason it's red is supposed to be that like unlike the venom symbiote which like maintained its individuality the carnage symbiote literally fused with cletus cassidy's blood oh yeah and this happened when venom like broke out of uh i think it's rikers island Mm -hmm. and left like a drop of his symbiote behind or something and that turned into the carnage symbiote um but anyway, the the point being that like there's all this stuff that started to happen around Venom where it was like the symbiote was becoming evil and actually jumping off of Eddie Brock to like attack and kill and eat, like feed off of all these other people 
you know, it was like killing women in back alleys and stuff oh, like that. Jesus. Yeah, they thought it was some kind of like weird virus, uh, vampire, and but it would like feed off their endocrine system, hmm. or something like that, their adrenaline. Um, so it got really dark where like the symbiote was just straight up evil and and definitely wanted to go back to Spider-Man. But did Eddie know this was happening? Yeah, it would actually take Eddie to the top of buildings and like throw him off the building and make him think that like basically be like you're you're going to die. And, and that like fear that it would incite from Eddie, it would feed off of the adrenaline from him. Jesus. It was super messed up, man. <laughs> Yeah, it got really dark. <laughs> and and like, you know, Eddie Brock was like trying to kill himself, but like it wouldn't like let itself go. Um eventually what ended up happening is um and I want to make sure that I have the order of events right, but basically some aliens come and separate Eddie like Venom's tongue from himself. At this point, the symbiote has total control over Eddie Brock. Like Eddie Brock is just like a, like a hollow vessel mm-hmm. or something like that. And they like use his tongue to clone another venom. And like this person, you know, is trying to use that artificial venom clone to like with some control collar to kill the original venom because she's like this thing is a monster. Um, it was a really cool series actually. It was like his comeback in like two thousand and three. Um, it's three graphic novels and, um, the art throughout is really, really cool. Um, it changes, but I like, I like all the artists and, um, there's like Spider-Man comes out in it. Oh, Venom, uh, Venom hops onto a dog. So we get to see a dog Venom. (laughs) As evil dog Venom. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a dog, like, and and like, it's a two page spread and the dog's like with the tongue out and everything (laughs) and the Venom eyes. The poor thing ends up dead because oh. that's what Venom does, right? But but it ends up popping onto a uh, onto Wolverine. Oh wow! And it's funny because it's like it has the little spikes of Wolverine's hair coming off the side, mm-hmm. like it actually as part of its costume, like just makes the little Wolverine hair. Uh huh. And you see Venom with like the Wolverine claws, which wow. is really dope. Um, they end up like blowing a nuke on Wolverine or something like that, or use some kind of like super electrocution thing to get the symbiote off of him. But that was like a fun little stint. And eventually, um, they like the two venoms fight. Uh, it's really cool. They combine into like one super venom, uh, which they ended up just doing away with that. Like that wasn't a thing. Which oh. was stupid! But uh, because it was super cool, <laughs> and venom was also huge. He was like the size of like a car. Like he wow. wasn't even like a regular person size anymore. <laughs> um, it was like he's like holding Spider-Man by his tongue and Spider-Man's body is like the size of his head. Jeez. And um, after that, he gets sold to like some mafioso who gives it to his son, who's like a huge disappointment. The Venom symbiote, you know, he has fun doing this stuff. But then the Venom symbiote, like as he's hopping mid leap from building to building, just ditches him. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> So the kid dies. The kid just falls to his death. He's like, you are oh like, then, like the last thing the symbiote says is like, you really are a failure or something like that. And just wow. lets him drop to his death. Um, after that, the symbiote moves to Matt Gargan, the former scorpion. Oh God. Yeah. Because the symbiote, the scorpion had ditched his suit because he was like stuck in it or something. Mm. If, if I recall, maybe that's the rhino. But um, at any rate, 
the scorpion Mac Gargan doesn't have his suit anymore, and then the Venom symbiote ends up hopping onto him. He becomes like Venom becomes like a Dark Avenger. The Dark Avengers were basically like the evil counterparts to like all the various Avengers. So um there was uh the Bullseye. Iron... Yeah, Bullseye was the new Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. Um Wolverine's son, who's evil. Dakin, Dakin, something like that. Yeah, I think it's Dak. Yeah, I think it's like that Dakin or something. Something like that. Something like that. He ends up becoming the new Wolverine. Venom is the new Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And they had like a Dark Avengers little like mini series that was like just Matt Gargan as the Scorpion, which was actually really funny because he's like a sarcastic asshole. And there's like literally a part where this guy like he's like, oh, I'm going to sneak up on you from the back. And because he's like literally eating one of the bad guys that he's catching. The Scorpion is eating as Venom, like he's like already ruthless and like the symbiote's already evil. And basically he strikes this kind of truce with the symbiote. He's like, all right, I'll feed you people. So like as a dark Avenger, he goes and like is catching criminals. And like there's this one guy who pisses him off. So he's like literally eating him. Wow. And so one of the other criminals is like, oh, like and they're like kind of the superhero sort of criminals. Like they have powers is what I mean. Mm-hmm. And one jumps. And he's like, oh, but you can eat me while you're eating him. And literally... As he's like attacking him, he turns his ass into a giant mouth <laughs> and starts eating the other guy as well. So there's been a lot of shenanigans going on. Venom ends up having a grandson through Carnage. Oh, geez. Who decides, but the grandson wants to be like a good guy, but then he later kind of becomes evil, but then he becomes <laughs> good. Because they're all just crazy. It's their thing. And then, and then, like, while Venom is the scorpion, Matt Gargan, um, Eddie Brock, Suddenly, like, we give a shit about him, the the comic book writer said. And <laughs> there's, like, this guy named Mr. Negative who, like, is actually, like, a crime boss but has this ability to, like, cure people of all their ailments, all mm. Jesus style. And he touches Eddie Brock to cure him of his cancer. But some residual symbiotic matter in him ends up fusing with his white blood cells and he becomes anti-venom, which is just venom, but it's reversed colors. And so he's white with a black spider. Oh, wow. I have not seen that. Yeah. And anti, which is, a, I mean, even it's such a dumb name that even like Spider-Man is like anti-venom. Like that's the best thing <laughs> you can come up with. Like that was your new, your new name. Well, they couldn't call him like vaccine or anything like that. I mean, they could have called him like <laughs> Vax or I don't know. They could have done something, but like, oh, I'm a white venom. Now I'm anti-venom. Like, uh-huh. well, all right, buddy. Um, but they also acknowledge that Eddie Brock was not the most intelligent, clever, like, character in the Marvel Universe. Um, they have a fight. Uh, Annie Venom, like, has his own, like, series for a while. Meanwhile, like, there's the whole Dark Avenger thing going on. Um, shit hits the fan with the Scorpion, and the Venom symbiote ends up going to... Do you remember uh, Peter Parker's bully in high school, Flash Thompson? Flash Thompson, yeah. Flash Thompson is currently Venom. Right now? Yeah. Like the evil Venom? No, like, yeah, like Black Venom. Like, because they they did something to Eddie Brock that, like, destroyed the whole anti-Venom thing. So, like, now he's just shitty again. No. And, like, like they had, the government got a hold of the, the symbiote and was like, this thing is absolutely crazy, but we can give you this collar that will, like, let you control the symbiote and, like, its mass because, remember, it had, like, grown into, like, hugely epic proportions and suddenly they decided to acknowledge that that was a thing again. Mm-hmm. So he's like, it's like, it'll help you control the mass of the symbiote and like keep it under check, but you have to control your emotions. So 
Flash Thompson, is he the one that was most recently running around with the Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah. The funny thing is Flash Thompson, despite being in high school in the 60s, um, comes back from the Iraq War <laughs> oh. as a disabled veteran in a wheelchair. He was... He actually appeared in that Venom series where they were like, where, where Eddie Brock was like, I have cancer and the symbiote's the only thing keeping me alive. But he was a vegetable. Oh, God. Yeah, drooling and stuff like that. And then, um, yeah, so later on, um, he gets his, his mind back or whatever, but he has no legs or they don't work or whatever. So the symbiote, I think he has no legs. I think they chop him off. Wow. So the symbiote, when it attaches to him, gives him like the ability to walk and all these super cool venom superpowers mm-hmm. but he like uses guns and stuff mm. like that um and it was a very it was kind of like going back to the like original ni- 90s version not original but the 90s version of venom where he's like an anti-hero again mm-hmm. so there were all these agent venom comics where it's like flash thompson doing like covert government secret operative stuff as venom but then every once in a while like he gets pissed off and when he gets pissed off Normally, he it looks like he's got like stealth clothes on, mm-hmm. like with all the but with like guns and shit. But when he gets mad, the um, the mouth will start to like slit open oh. and like reveal like the venom mouth and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. normally it just looks like a black mask with like the white eyes or something like that, or like goggles or some shit. But yeah, anyway, so that happened. Um, there was like a brief series called like um planet of the symbiotes it was like a, another marvel event that happened where suddenly like all these symbiotes are attacking new york and they're running amok and they're i think in fact currently right now there are several other symbiotes that exist besides venom and carnage and toxin yeah i know that right i don't know when i'm releasing this episode but uh before uh it comes out i know that they're doing a venom verse um uh storyline or whatever where it's going to be i think probably during the uh the secret empire run but it's i think probably gonna be symbiotes coming back or something because the the first cover that they show is the all-new wolverine as venom no way yeah i didn't see that i'm super juiced yeah so that'll be something to pick up um yeah i kind of actually wanted to go into the other symbiotes just a little bit um yeah, because you you mentioned that there's carnage and he had he had a grandson and everything. Um, what what was their kind of relationship like? Like, did the 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 characters you know? I know carnage is insane. Like he's just yeah crazy. Uh, do they kind of bounce off of each other in any kind of way? Like, do they work together? Or are they just chaotic? Like, how does that relationship? work between the symbiotes yeah venom hates carnage like really really hates the fact that carnage exists at all <laughs> um and in like uh the venom versus carnage comic that came out um just well i was gonna say just a few years ago but it was probably like 10 years ago at this <laughs> but like the the the, the, the mini series that immediately preceded the introduction of toxin um venom explains that he's like the 998th symbiote in their line carnage is the 999 and toxin would be the 1000th um and knowing that carnage is basically pregnant venom is trying like carnage wants to kill this entity that's growing in him Mm -hmm. and 
Venom's like, no, like I'm gonna teach him our ways and stuff like that. And Carnage is like, no, like I'm gonna kill this thing. And obviously they're both like nuts, and neither are probably very good paternal figures. <laughs> <laughs> the symbiote ends up like coming out of Carnage and hops onto like a cop who I think ends up dying later, mm. unfortunately. But um, oh, now that I think about it, Eddie Brock became Toxin. Oh, yeah, is the after it kills the police officer, that guy dies. That the Toxin symbiote hops onto Eddie Brock, and Eddie Brock is to- is uh, Toxin for a while. I don't know if that's still the case, um, but basically, all the symbiotes hate each other. Okay, they really so don't like what? Each other. So, do we ever get to see their actual like planet or anything where they come from? Well, that's the funny thing. So. In the Planet of the Symbiotes that I think happened in the 90s, all these symbiotes like invade Earth from this portal. And I think like this, the the thing that they had said for them was like that they just hop from world to world, like, you know, because of parasites. Then with this whole Guardians of the Galaxy thing, they retconned all of that. Oh. Yeah. So now the symbiotes are part of a of an alien race called the Clintar. And the Clintar are not bloodthirsty parasites. They are general and thirsty parasites that like feed off of and kill and and maim people. They actually try to create heroes. Oh. Yeah, they're they're they they go to these worlds and they find like upstanding members of like certain species and then they gift them these great powers of strength and speed and all this stuff and and create heroes and it's it's suddenly that venom is all evil because he was corrupted by all these negative emotions so they purify him and then he you know flash thompson goes from being like agent venom to Literally, it looks like some oversized, beefy version of, like, a Halo armor character or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, really, I don't know if I was super down with the aesthetic, to be completely honest. Mm -hmm. Um, But we still, do we still have, like, Carnage running around and stuff? Because he's insane. Like, they didn't change that, did they? Yeah, a lot of things have happened with Carnage. Um, I know that at one point, like, the Silver Surfer flew him into outer space and ripped the symbiote off of... Cletus Cassidy and Carnage has actually died a couple of times. Mm. The question is always like, how long does Carnage stay dead? Uh-huh. But I feel like that's the question for every comic book character ever. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's the thing. Like there's never there. Anytime comic book characters die, it's like inevitable that either someone's going to take their place and just become the new version of that character or that character is somehow going to resurface. They didn't actually die somehow. And- <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so going back to the retcon that they did, you know, making the Clintar the people who are trying to create heroes, is that something that they basically just erased what Venom was and what those stories were? Or did they have an explanation to, to like, the invasion and everything like that? No, bah. That just didn't no, happen. okay. That's not even important. That just we're not even gonna. They talk just about didn't that, even yeah. acknowledge it. It was just yeah. Okay. They were like they were like oh actually what all of us are we're these peaceful benevolent beings who just like to do our thing and and hell yeah like I don't know what's up with you but we're not <laughs> like that you know and then it's like it's like but didn't you have like a whole event where like you guys were like rampaging all of New York and creating monsters and so- not us nope. That's someone else. I don't know. Who, <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about. But that wasn't me. You know? Oh, that's unfortunate. 
Um, I mean, the the fascinating thing that I've heard so far is just how crazy the symbiotes symbiotes are. How do you pronounce that? Symbiotes, symbiotes. I, like, I, always, <laughs> I always say symbiote, but like I remember in I think it was the nineteen nineties cartoon, the Peter Parker voice actor says symbiote. I'm just going to call them symbiotes. It sounds more right. Yeah, I've also heard symbiote. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm super done with it. I just, I just say symbiote now. Uh, but, oh my God, I don't even remember what I was asking. But uh, basically, I think I was just making a comment. Yeah, I was basically saying like, it's just fascinating that these these things, you know, were in in themselves just kind of evil and yeah. crazy. And then they take over these people. And I didn't know all that stuff that like, that the the comic books got that dark with these characters. Yeah. Is there like, can you think of any like darkest moments of these um, things? I know that they killed a bunch of people. <laughs> <laughs> they dropped a man off, off from jumping. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, with Eddie Brock, I mean, that was that was really sad because he. I think he tried to kill himself several times, but mm-hmm. the symbiote wouldn't let him kill himself. The symbiote was getting this like weird sadistic pleasure out of like keeping Eddie Brock alive so that it had like a base for itself. Yeah. And then like leaving Eddie Brock and Eddie Brock, you know, like the only thing he had in his life at that point was the symbiote. So he would like be crying and begging the symbiote not to like leave him and stuff and it would just abandon him and then it would come back. But at some point I remember when the symbiote really did leave him, um, Eddie Brock like bought a venom costume like a black spider-man costume that he put on and walked around with i think he stabbed someone too wow um but yeah i just i just, it was it was really seeing like how eddie brock felt because you know when he came out he was this buff guy i mean he was angry and he had like he like like had all these weights and he was he, he was he was he had a he had a mullet <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not saying that he was the coolest guy to begin with, you know, <laughs> but but he was like tough and he was like, screw you, Spider-Man, I'm going to kill you. And then and then at that point, Eddie Brock was like a shell of he was like a skeleton too. like he was dying. He was bald. The chemo was killing him. Like, this. do you think that Eddie had kind of like a Stockholm syndrome situation going on with the Venom or was it more that he knew that? I mean, not the Venom, the symbiote, and that he knew that the symbiote was giving him this power and he craved the power more than it was that he needed the symbiote kind of like to function. I don't know. Like, I guess because the way you described it at first, in my mind, it's, 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 it feels like a Stockholm Syndrome thing where he has this bond and this connection to the symbiote. It threatens to leave him and like, but it won't let him go and it just it's like very abusive yeah so i'm just like wondering if it was one of those like he's dependent on it because he doesn't want to be alone at this point or was it more of like he needs the power and he craves the power and that's more his his you know reasons for wanting to be with this symbiote no i think i think it definitely became like a stockholm syndrome thing because i mean at first it was the idea that the symbiote was working with him to help him achieve their like his goals but the goal was mutually beneficial because the symbiote also hated spider-man and then as the symbiote gained more of a personality that was oh that was also the thing that came out in that comic the one that the one where i said flash was in it and he was like a vegetable 
that's when <clears throat> Eddie Brock for the first time tells Spider-Man, like, I'm not in control anymore. Like the symbiote's using me. I don't have any power. Like I, I can't, he like somehow was able to like arrange a meeting with Eddie Brock when they had like separated him from the symbiote. And he's like, I, I don't know like what's going on. It just leaves me. Like it doesn't give a shit about me. And then it just uses me. He's like, I, I'm not, I don't have the power anymore. It's like, it's evil. But then he also is like, but I have cancer. So mm-hmm. without the symbiote, I'll die. And then the symbiote just, yeah, continues to twist his mind. I think it was very much a Stockholm syndrome thing where it was like, he, you know, he, at that point you, you lose your sanity and your health and stuff like that. And, and it was like, you know, torturing him by throwing him off buildings and saving him like right at the last second, which is no way for anyone to live, but you also know you won't live at all without it. Mm. And you also know, like the only time you're anything more than this like hollow shell of a person is when you have the symbiote. And so he basically put all of his self-worth into him being venom but in a way that's like so, th- so that's why that's why like he buys that whole costume when he's in the hospital and stuff and about to die because it was like one of the only points in his life where he probably felt like he had any power mm-hmm. at all and so that's also what makes it like so much more pathetic and sad and and really like eddie brock becomes a super tragic character yeah i, I don't actually know what's happening with him right now anyway because i don't give a shit <laughs> i mean dude like eventually you gotta die <laughs> but <laughs> even comic book characters sometimes um does the symbiote ever get over i mean now it's pretty much a hero but does it ever get over its rage and hatred for spider-man yeah when when in the guardians of the galaxy bit that he comes out in which i don't know if it's still the case but he was a guardian of the galaxy with all of them for a while uh when they go to the planet of the clintar and the clintar are like hey we're gonna purge the evil from you that is when uh the venom symbiote gets to be um just him again however mind you like how long was that gonna last right Mm because Now I happen to know that the Venom symbiote has like become evil again or something. So, I mean, nothing ever stays in the comic book world. And really, I think Venom is an unfortunate example of a character who like continuously shows that he has potential to be interesting and cool and then becomes a slave to like fan service to Mm. the point that it just you lose interest in him because you're like, oh, he's just doing the same thing that we, like we got over how trendy like this thing that he was doing was and now he's not interesting because the only thing that made him interesting was the fact that what he was doing was trendy. Right. You know, so it was like when he became an anti-hero, like that was cool. But once they blew him up, people were like, now I'm bored of him. And then they made him evil. And I was like, oh, cool. Like there's this whole dark storyline going on. And then um they kind of just blew off a bunch of the cool stuff that they had gotten going on. The whole Eddie Brock thing, he became anti-Venom. I was like, that's kind of cool. But then it's like, they just kind of let that waste away and he lost that power. And <laughs> that was all that was. It was just like a short mini series he had for a while. And then, <laughs> you know, with Venom, it's like, okay, cool. Now he's, he's a bad guy again. And he's like on the Scorpion, but he's doing the same old Venom stuff. And then it was like, oh, he's part of the Dark Avengers. Like, that's really neat. And then it was like, okay, now he's not. Now we took it from him and now we put it on Flash Thompson. Now he's Agent Venom. And it's like, oh, cool. It's the big Agent Venom comic book. And then it was like, oh, now we want him to be a good guy. But we're like, we want him to be an actually good guy. <laughs> so they rewrite the universe around that. And then it's like, oh, people are bored of him being a good guy. So we're going to make him bad again. It's like, yeah. just 
just man could you just <laughs> just stop it's yeah. like how i feel because like, oh. i really grew up liking him like he i've dressed up as venom like i used to have a bunch of venom shirts that i would sleep in like my like half of my pajama shirt wardrobe was venom <laughs> shirts you know like in just i i drew venom like a lot like i still do just draw venom for fun and just to see like this character that i'd become really enamored with get like written to shit over and over and over again i feel like the venom that i like in my head is like the shadow of a venom oh. yeah oh that's sad well at least you still have your memories <laughs> yeah and then it was like i remember when i dressed up as venom to go to the spider-man 3 like the toby Maguire spider-man 3 premiere oh were you very sad oh my god <laughs> topher grace was not the best call for one despite the fact that i know he worked out to get muscles for that role topher grace was not the call and he came out for, as Venom for like a half second, you know, that film. Mm -hmm. He wasn't even supposed to be in that movie, I found out. They just, the producers convinced the writer to like throw him in there. And so he did. Because they needed another, yeah, they <laughs> another were like, villain. Yeah, they were just like, um, okay, I know you want to do the Sandman. It's going to be a whole like bringing it back to where it all began kind of thing. But also like instead, let's have Venom because people like Venom like a lot. <laughs> and he's like, well, fuck it. I'll just throw Venom in there. And then it sucked. It was like, <laughs> why did you even have to taint it like that? And the worst part is they're coming up with a Venom standalone movie. I heard about that. Yeah. And it's not even Marvel. It's Sony. It's yeah. And they're like not even going to have like Spider-Man in it. Yeah. Well, I guess they can they now? They can because they, they, they share like joint. Questioning. Yeah, basically. Because <laughs> it's like they did the Tobey Maguire thing and Spider-Man 2 is one of the best, according to other people that have have this opinion. That's not me, but Spider-Man 2 is one of the best Spider-Man movies, like comic book movies ever made. Yeah, then, that's what a lot of people think, but I don't remember it. Why? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then Spider-Man 3 came out and everyone was like, nope, nope, this was bad. This was bad. Uh -huh. <laughs> so it was so bad. They were like, let's make a new Spider-Man, the amazing Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. Everyone's like, not that amazing. And then they were like, no, 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 wait, wait, give us a second chance. It's like, still not that amazing. And then Marvel was like, who, who, just I don't give know. It back. Yeah, Marvel was like, just give it back. Like, can we throw them in our films? We'll show you how it's done. And then, and then everyone freaking loved the Spider Man that came out for like 15 minutes of the Captain America Civil mm -hmm. War thing. And then basically, I think Sony finally was like, Okay, you guys know what you're doing. We, don't. we really don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, but now they have the rights to fucking Venom, and that's not fair. It's <laughs> not fair. Oh well, I'm sorry. Oh. Um, we're 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 getting near the end, so I have a few questions for you. Uh, and one of them is: uh, Is there a certain story that you would recommend people uh, to get into if you think that? If they have any interest in um, getting into Venom, which he sounds fascinating. Um, is there any like run or anything that you would recommend them get into? Yeah, definitely. Definitely watch. I mean, watch. Definitely read the 2003 Venom miniseries because it's a it's an interesting standalone series as it is. And the focus isn't so much on on Venom as like Eddie Brock or, or whatever. It's like the idea of the symbiotes and it's like a new character. Like it's like a she Venom basically mm. because it's like. They don't. I don't know if they ever really explain who the aliens that like created the Venom clone were, but I do know that like seeing Venom be Wolverine or seeing Wolverine be Venom for a second was pretty cool. 
Um, some of like the things that Venom does are just kind of like classic sassy ass Venom, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, the art was really neat. And seeing like the two massive Venoms fight each other, and like they're kind of like stupid, flirt, like weirdly flirty dialogue, <laughs> you know, like like we love them feisty or something like that. Like when like Dude Venom is like fighting She Venom or whatever. It's it's a cool comic book. It's a fun read, and it's like. Venom is just dark enough to be like, whoa, Venom. And then also just sassy and, and cool enough to be like, fuck yeah, Venom. You know? <laughs> so. All right. And then uh, finally, just kind of like, what what is it that drew you to Venom? He's such a dark character, but what what is it about him that you kind of obsessed over? Dude, it's the weirdest thing. I've liked Venom since I was in like kinder or first grade. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I used to like have little fantasies, like just chilling in, in at school, like imagining like, oh, like a thief breaks in suddenly like a like, like I'm Venom. And so, <laughs> the cool thing about Venom was like when he started off and he was like the Peter Parker costume, he represented like this dark side, you know, and and when he became Venom Venom, um or at least when I came to know like Venom as a character, he represented like the release of that dark side and the empowerment of like those baser angry emotions that people have and usually can't do or act on, but it, 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 it empowered him. Um, and I like also that kind of like dichotomy between like, you know, there's the you that you are that you should have people and people see, but then there's also like that other you that's like deep down that like has its own kind of little voice, like, eat him with your ass you know just like you know just well like, some people might find that very fun yeah i just i like <laughs> i like i like the whole dark side thing uh-huh. you know and i like i I just venom is like has no shame in being evil he's like oh i'm gonna eat your spleen you mm-hmm. know it just I, I i like that i like that he's bad and he's okay with being bad and he has fun being bad but he's also kind of good but he's also kind of not you uh-huh. know and he's also got this whole love-hate relationship with himself, no matter who he's attached to. Anyway, but yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Thank you. Um, so yeah, uh, Nico, where can people find you and and the stuff that you're working on? You can't. I'm a ninja. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, like like Venom, I go invisible with my camouflage. No, um, I uh, I don't want to say am. But I also don't want to say was, but I have videos on YouTube <laughs> <laughs> that you should watch and subscribe to. Um, I go by Nico de Gallo, like the salsa Pico de Gallo, but with the letter N at the beginning. And if you don't know how to spell Pico de Gallo, go to a fucking Mexican restaurant. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Um, but yeah, you can you can find uh, Nico de Gallo on YouTube. Like my videos, subscribe to the channel. Um, I'm also uh, Nico.de.gallo on Instagram. Um, I'm not that interesting, but I want more followers. <laughs> oh, okay. Then there you go. <laughs> oh, oh, I have a Facebook page, by the way. Uh, you should you should like my Facebook page. Too. We'll we'll link that in the in the guest section of the website. <laughs> so many links, so many Zeldas. Yeah, right. but um, you didn't say what your show is about. What your YouTube channel? You're a linguist. Oh yes, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, you guys, I went to college for linguistics cause I like language a lot. And, uh, these are the things that keep me up at night, but I noticed, um, that I talk about it a lot and a lot of times people may not care, <laughs> but I figured, you know, and they would care 
if they clicked a video specifically <laughs> yeah. to learn about it. Yeah. So I started making videos about linguistics and the whole bit is like to be like the Bill Nye, the science guy of linguistics, but not Bill Nye saves the world, Bill Nye, because I don't like his new show. But, oh. but the Bill Nye <laughs> that I grew up with who wanted to teach science for science sake and opened up people's eyes to new things. Well, there you go. We'll leave it like that. <laughs> Thank you I'm for sorry, being Bill. on the show. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. All right. So that was Nico de Gallo with Venom. We learned a lot. We learned a lot. Um, all right. So now I'm not going to go into the review quite yet. What I'm going to do is do a recommendation. So um, it's going to be a new thing I do where it's not necessarily about comic books, but it's something I'm interested in. Uh, but I'm going to recommend something to you that I've done or been into. Anyway, that is going to be another podcast uh, which please don't betray me and leave me, but please add this podcast to your list. It is an audio drama. So a few weeks ago, I did talk about the Blood Crow stories, uh, saying that it was a show that I was really into. I just finally caught up to it or, yeah, I guess caught up to it and I'm done. Um, they still have a few episodes that they're going to be releasing, but I am all the way caught up with that. But there's another audio drama that I've been listening to, which is The Bright Sessions. Now, this one is going to probably be a little bit more up your alley if you're just here for the comics. Um, so what basically this is about, uh, it's this psychologist uh, who records her sessions with her patients and each patient has a different ability. They have a gift or whatever. Um, one of them is a time traveler. The other one can, uh, she has telepathy. The other one has a, um, empathy. Like they have overblown empathy. They can feel everything that the, that the people around him are feeling. Um, someone can, uh, basically control people by making them do what he wants them to do. Uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on there, but it's a very, fascinating show when I first got into it I was like this is okay but then I got really invested into it and I started listening to like I don't know like 10 episodes a, a day or something um they're really short each one is probably about half an hour so it's not too much of a time commitment but it's really really good I do definitely recommend a plus podcast so check that out it's called the bright sessions Okay, so now we'll go into the Spider-Man Homecoming review. Now, overall, I will tell you guys that I liked it and I had a really good time. It was a very fun movie, which is, you know, what everyone's saying. It's a fun movie. Um, so I'll, I, I kind of broke it down into, into little sections. Um, hopefully I won't take too long going through it. But uh, if you agree or disagree or whatever you want to add on to it, remember, you can always go to the website and... Uh, and continue the conversation on there. But anyway, let's go into it. Spider-Man Homecoming. So here are my likes. Um, I really liked that he wasn't a seasoned hero. He was still brand new and it really showed. I mean, we saw him struggle to get his footing. He was very clumsy. He wasn't always able to come up with like the best solution to something that was happening. Uh, and he had this, okay, he had this AI in his suit once he unlocked the suit's capabilities named Karen and she had him helping him out. And I mean, her, it's, it's an AI. She had the AI helping him out. And I thought that was really cool. The relationship between his AI and him. Can we just talk about Karen? Okay. We're already doing it. Um, his AI was really, really funny. She understood his humor, but at the same time, she took things that he said to 
a weird extreme. <laughs> like, like I said, he unlocked the uh, capabilities of his suit so that he had all the features. And once that happens, she's like constantly suggesting lethal force. So I really loved her. She's great. Uh, by the way, she is voiced by Jennifer Connelly, who is the real life wife of um, Paul Bettany, who is Vision. So maybe they'll do something with that. <laughs> I don't know. Um, other likes. I loved Aunt May. Oh, my God. I could have done with like I needed probably like 15 percent more Aunt May than what they gave us because she was great. She was so much fun. And I like that they didn't make her up to be super hot like in Civil War. Instead, she was, I mean, she was still hot. Obviously, it's like Marissa fucking Tomei. So, of course, she's hot. But um, they made her a lot more human. <laughs> they made her more at home, uh, at home aunt, I guess. But uh, everyone loved her in this movie. Like, literally in the movie, the characters, they all loved her. They all wanted to be with her. Um, so, that was really great. But... Yeah, I, I I liked that. Um, let's see. Okay. Oh, okay. So then I like his best friend Ned. I really liked him. He was the perfect behind the scenes sidekick. He called himself the chair, which was really funny. But um, he's got all the computer smarts and everything. So he's he's always helping Peter whenever Peter is like out on the field. He's kind of like the oracle to Peter. Um, he is basically the one who unlocks all the features of Peter's suit. And he helps out with the final chase at the end of the film. So what I liked about him was that like the whole movie itself was funny. Uh, there were a lot of great fun moments, uh, but he had his different kind of comedy that he added to the film. Like Peter was quippy and he was like kind of like a nervous wreck, uh, but at the same time using his quippiness to, to, to navigate his situations. Whereas Ned, the best friend, he was funny because he was kind of obsessed, not obsessed, but he was obsessed with Peter being Spider-Man and just like wanting to learn the world of the Avengers. And like he was always having all these questions about how things work and who people are and stuff like that. So it was it was really great to see that dynamic with them. And he was always trying to like help Peter become a little bit more popular and stuff. So that was great. My dislikes. There wasn't much that I didn't like about it. Um, the only thing that, like, I don't know, that would be a dislike was I felt, for me personally, that there weren't real emotional stakes to the film. I think if I think back on any of the past Spider-Man films, there was always a real emotional stake because someone was always going to be harmed if if Peter didn't come, you know, to their rescue. And it's, it's not that I needed him to, like, have someone a rescue. I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I can't explain it. But to me, there weren't enough emotional stakes to make me really, like, feel for, for Peter. Um, except maybe maybe at the end of his battle, or not the end, in the middle of his battle, his final battle with uh, Vulture, where he's got this moment where he is um, trapped under all this rubble and he kind of doesn't know what to do and eventually he just kind of like gives in and does his thing um other than that i don't know i guess like he had his internal battle trying to prove himself over and over again but i don't know i just i missed something else and that's just me personally like not everyone's going to agree with that which is fine um let's talk about the villains okay so there are three or so villains in the movie but only one of them was the focus which worked 
perfectly. So they did have the tinkerer and they did have the shocker, but they were used more like henchmen, like behind the scenes people, or not necessarily behind the scenes, but just people that supported the main villain, which was good. Um, so that worked perfectly. They never stole the spotlight from Vulture. Uh, it, it, it just really, really worked. And I thought that was a huge improvement from the last few Spider-Man films just because there's too many villains in there that they were trying to focus too much on. And they try to give every single villain like their own big story, which didn't happen in this one. Like we understand, we understood who the characters were because they gave us character. They didn't give us their backstory, you know? So that worked really, really well uh, for the villains. Let's talk about Easter eggs. So I don't know if I noticed all the Easter eggs, if I'm going to be honest with you. But I did notice some Easter eggs that I was excited to notice. <laughs> um, but we did get a lot of Easter eggs in the uh, in the film. The first one we got was a teaser of Miles Morales. Uh, if you don't know who he is, we talked a little bit about him in the in the previous episode. But basically, he's the current young Spider-Man. Uh, he has a sort of he has a very very similar power set to Peter, but he also has invisibility and he has uh, like a venom shock thing um where he basically electrifies people or something um but anyway donald glover was in this film and it was revealed that he was miles's uncle um so we don't actually get to see miles morales but at least we know that he exists in this world he's a little kid so we'll probably end up seeing him at the end of tom holland's run as spider-man so that's really cool uh, the other one, we got Scorpion. I mean, he was out of costume, but we got Scorpion. He was just kind of in the movie. Uh, he was in a couple of scenes, didn't really do anything plot driving or anything like that. But we know he exists and he does sort of make mention of a possible Sinister, uh, sinister Six in the future. So cool. Um, also, this is probably just wishful thinking and me looking way too much into things, but maybe they teased Black Cat. Um, there was a girl in the school that had like white hair and she was in the background a lot. Like you, she, she was there. She never spoke or anything like that. Maybe it was just a coincidence that Marvel did it, but I feel like Marvel doesn't just do coincidences. Um, but anyway, she was there, so I thought maybe in future films they'll give her a bigger role or recast her and give her a bigger role. But this character hopefully can be Black Cat. But maybe it's just me looking into things and, you know, huge wishful thinking. I don't care. That's my takeaway. Um, okay, so at the end of the film, Aunt May finds out that Peter is Spider-Man and she has this big freak out. Or it's not really big. It's just quick freak out. But... I'm excited to see what that new dynamic is going to be between those two characters because we haven't really seen that in any of the previous films. And I don't know if they necessarily explore it in the comic books, um, whether or not Aunt May knows who he is as uh, Spider-Man. But um, what I loved about Aunt May, just to go back to her, uh, is that you can sense that she's very protective of Peter. But at the same time, she tries to give him his freedom to like be his own person. Uh, so with her discovering who he is, I like, I can see her always asking him not to go out and fight crime, but ultimately deciding she probably can't do anything about it anyway. And she's just going to have to worry about him. And those are the emotional stakes that I am all in for in, in the future Spider-Man films. Um, yeah. We don't necessarily need to see her in danger or anything like that, but just, just having a, 
bigger understanding of her emotions um, and, and her love for Peter and everything. Like, I think maybe driving that a little bit harder than it was in this film. And they did a good job of doing it in this film. Don't get me wrong, but maybe driving that a little bit more in any future films can really give us that dynamic. Like we know that he loves his aunt, that his aunt loves him, but we don't get to see their, uh, their relationship flourish in, in a way that I think I would like to see it because it's not like his mother, but she's the mother figure. She is tech. Like she's not, his biological mother, but she's his mother because she's raising, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying, you guys, but, but I want to see that kind of emotional stakes in, in any of the future films. And I think that would be just great to explore. Um, there's the big spoiler at the end, which wasn't a spoiler maybe, um, but basically Zendaya, her character's name is Michelle. And she, at the end of the film, she's like, my friends call me MJ. Um, she, okay. I'm, I don't know. Kevin Feige and Amy Pascal have come out to say she is not Mary Jane. She is not Mary Jane whatsoever. This is just a character we called MJ. Like, she is not Mary Jane. Don't go overboard. Shut up, everyone. This is not Mary Jane. I (laughs) don't feel that's necessarily true. Only because why would you do that? Like, they said they did it in fun just to be like, haha, coincidence. But I don't feel like that's true. Like, I know, I know, I know they've already said this. They've they've established that it's not Mary Jane, but like, why then? Why would you do that? And again, I'm not mad if she is or if she isn't. Either way, it doesn't matter to me. She was a fun character, I guess. But, um, and she was a little exaggerated. But anyway, uh, it it's just weird that they would, that they would do that. And like, they saved it for her, like one of her very last lines in the movie, uh, you know, at the end. And, and it's just weird <laughs> it's just I don't I don't know it just felt weird so if she is Mary Jane great I'm I'm here for a woke version of Mary Jane um and by woke I don't mean she was extreme or anything she wasn't like an extreme activist or anything she was just aware of the history of the world and and that was cool but is she Mary Jane Right now, the answer is no, but I feel like that's going to be twisted later. Anyway, uh, so there's that. Um, overall, I like the movie. I don't really, I don't, I don't really remember any of the previous Spider-Man films all that well, so I won't say it was the best one. Um, but I think a lot of people would say it's the best one. So yeah, there you have it. I mean, it's not my favorite Marvel film. I wouldn't put it at the top. I would probably put it at like number six. Or something. I was actually looking at my list today of my top 10 Marvel films. And I put it right behind Guardians of the Galaxy Part 1. Um, so I think that was my number 5. So this is going to be my number 6 in the overall Marvel MCU universe thing. So yeah. One thing I want to want to say that I'm sure you all know this. Like you, you know this, but these characters are still precious to you. Which is, which is fine. Um, but just relax a little bit. Which is, um, I know a lot of people get angry whenever they see a character that is not represented the same way as they were in the comic books. And I understand that. But at the same time, it's like, we have to treat it as as just in the comic books. Like, in the comics, they have different universes, different realities, different time, whatever. And they'll depict a character in a different way. And we kind of accept that, you know, we're like, oh, well, that's a different universe. And we accept that. And we, we sometimes we'll run with it and enjoy it. And sometimes we don't like it. And then we're just over it. 
because it's a different universe. MCU is a different universe. It's Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it's not comic books. It's movies. It's different. It's going to be a different iteration of the character that has a lot of the same qualities as the ones in the comics. So just let's let's keep that in mind. That's all I say. Um, that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, yeah. So thank you again for listening. Um, I don't know what else to say. Follow me on uh, social media. The the. Twitter handle is interview a nerd. The website, remember the website has a section where you guys can comment. So like if you guys disagree with my whole spiel just now, make sure you tell me that because I will listen to you. Um, yeah, the website is interviewacomicnerd.com. And yeah, uh, that's it. Oh, go on iTunes. Give me some ratings. Go do some fun stuff on iTunes. Uh, it helps me out. It gets the show bigger. It gets more notoriety to me so that I can start interviewing um, you know, like maybe creators of comic books. That would be fun, wouldn't it? Um, I think so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so go out there, give me some ratings, comment if you want. Um, this is an open forum. I want the feedback and everything. Whatever you guys felt about anything that we discussed on the show, go ahead and go on there and, and tell me all about it. But that's it for this week. So stay lovely, be kind to one another, and I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.